So this morning we are in Psalm 119, as Pastor Dave just read our passage for us. He mentioned this is a series, but it's a scattered series. Don't expect you to remember necessarily the passage I dealt with the last time. I'm just dealing with Psalm 119 when I get the opportunity uh, to preach and teach when I fill in uh, for Pastor Reed. So uh, we're just taking next, the next passage uh, from the one I worked on uh, the last time. But Psalm 119 is a long chapter. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's actually longer than some, of, uh, some books in the Bible. Psalm 119, if you didn't know, is a chapter that focuses on the Word of God. So if we were to say the subject of Psalm 119, it would be God's Word. Psalm 119 is a chapter that presents an example of how we should deal with, how we should think about, how we should value, even how we should respond to the Word of God. Psalm 119 has been a chapter that I personally have gone to in times, maybe I'd say, of spiritual dryness, or times where I'm just having a hard time getting excited when I come to the Bible. Um, And Psalm 119, once I've read some, once I've read it or read portions of it, It's really helped me um, to get back on track, to remind me this is the Word of God that we're dealing with. Psalm 119, specifically as I've studied it and the personal impact it's had on me as I've worked my way through it, as I've preached through it now, um, it's really caused me uh, in my own personal life to be challenged when I think about specifically memorizing the Word of God. Um, I've started memorizing some portions of the Word of God because of this study and how it's challenged me. So today our passage is Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64, the passage Pastor Dave just read. And this is the eighth section out of 22 in Psalm 119. And I want to begin, begin with a question, and this question concerns your obedience to the Word of God. It's a simple question, but it's a it's a question I want you to just take a few moments to just ponder, to think about your answer, get an answer in your head, and I think it will help you as we study this eighth section of Psalm 119. And this, the question is this, why do you obey God's word? Why do you obey God's word? Why do you obey the Bible? Just think about that for a moment. Why do you obey the Bible. It's a simple question, but it's a question that maybe we have a few answers to. Okay, is it because you know it's the right thing to do? Kids, maybe a question for you. Is it because your parents tell you it's the right thing to do? You obey the Bible because you feel like it somehow helps you maybe earn favor with God or even earn your salvation, or keeping good standing with God? Do you obey God to put on, or do you obey the Bible to put on a show so that you look good around other Christians? What is your reason for obeying the Word of God? And I, I might ask you, is your reason that it flows from your relationship with God, that because of your relationship with Him, You have a desire, you have an urge to want to obey and follow what he sees as best for you. you, you, Does your obedience flow from your relationship 
with God. And that is exactly what we find in our portion of Psalm 119 this morning. So our theme for this section is because of his relationship with God, the psalmist obeys the word of God. Again, our theme for Psalm 119 verses 57 through 64 is because of his relationship with God, the psalmist obeys the word of God. And the key verse or where we kind of get this theme uh, for this section is found in the very first verse. Our key verse is Psalm 119, verse 57. If you look with me there, I'll read it for us. It says, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. So I want to take a few moments to kind of deal with this verse as it kind of sets the agenda for the rest of the, the verses in this section. We find something new here that we haven't really found in Psalm 119, and it's that the psalmist directly talks about his relationship with the Lord. He's talked about maybe his relationship with God's Word. He's talked about how he's dealt with the Word of God, but we see here for the first time he just flat out says what his relationship with God is like, and he says, the Lord is my portion. This word portion is, is really a loaded word. It speaks of a possession, or it speaks of an inheritance. The psalmist seems to be linking it back to another part of the Old Testament um, where this word portion is used with one of the tribes of Israel. And that tribe is the Levites. And you, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read one verse, but I'll spend a little bit of time on it. In the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 20, it talks about this portion, and it talks about the Levites, and it says this. And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. So many of you may know the history of Israel. You may know the Old Testament quite well. But for those who don't, God chose a people to work through in the Old Testament. It began with Abraham, and God continued to work through his son Isaac, he worked through his son Jacob. Jacob's name was actually changed to Israel. Okay, that's where we get the people or the nation of Israel from. And God had promised this people land, the land of Canaan. We often call it the promised land. And after hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, and then actually wandering in the wilderness for many years due to their sin, God led the people of Israel into this promised land where Jacob's 12 sons' families would live. Okay, these 12 sons, uh, their families are known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, each of them, each tribe, okay, or we're going to see most of the tribes, will get a slice or a piece of this land. The promised land will get divided into several sections for the people of Israel and the specific families. The book of Joshua, chapters 13 through 21 gives us some fun reading, and it just literally lists off the land that each tribe gets. It shows their inheritance. It shows their portion, okay, this word portion. But way before the book of Joshua, as we just read in Numbers, God had said that one of Jacob's son's family would have no portion. They'd have no inheritance in the land. And that was the family of Levi, or the tribe of the Levites. They would not get a slice of of this promised land. Okay, think about this. Think about the benefits that you get of having your own land back in the day. 
Okay, number one, you would have a place to call your home. You'd have a sense of belonging, a place to go back to. Even, it would provide you some security. But then number two, a benefit of having your own land, is you would be able to provide for yourself off of that land, growing crops, growing fruit. It would provide you food so that you could provide for yourself in one sense. And now think back to the specific people spoken about in Numbers. The Levites, they didn't have either of these benefits. They didn't necessarily have a place, their own land to call their home, their own, their home and neither did they, were they able to provide for themselves food, crops, and fruit. They would have had to rely on someone else for their belonging and food. And that person they would have to rely upon was not, none other than than God himself. Again, Numbers 18.20 says, And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. It, it says, I am your portion. God is their portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. God is their portion, not a piece of land, but God is the one who will provide for them. He will give them a sense of belonging. He will give them a sense of security. He will provide them food to be able to eat. And the point made to the Levites, and really the point made to the whole family or nation of Israel, looking at the Levites, was that they needed to be fully dependent upon God. And everything they needed was found in Him. They could be fully provided for and satisfied in God. And that is all tied up in this word, portion. When the psalmist begins this eighth section of Psalm 119, he's speaking of his relationship with God. He's speaking of his reliance. He's speaking of his dependence on God in his life. He's saying that it is God who he looks to for help. It is God who he looks to to be provided for. It is God he needs and nothing else. So the application for us, as we think about this key verse, as we think about this verse that sets the agenda for the rest of the section, when you think about your relationship with God, is that how you view God? Do you have this total dependence upon God as you live your life? Or are there other things you depend upon? Money, a job, maybe a person, a spouse, a parent? Do you look at God as your portion? Or we could use the word as your lot, as everything you need. Certainly, this, isn't, this is not always how we live, but if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in some way we do have this relationship with God. We do depend on Him. We rely on Him for our salvation and our learning to continue to depend on Him for our whole lives. So as we consider this verse, verse this key verse, verse 57, we see in this first line, the psalmist speaks of his relationship with God. And then in the second line, if you look there, we see what he does out of this relationship or what he does because of his relationship with God. Verse 57 says, The Lord is my portion. And then it says, I promise to keep your words. So because of his relationship with God, he says he will obey God's word. Because he depends on God, for, for his life, he seeks to follow the word of God. 
And we're going to see in the rest of this section, in the rest of this section of Psalm 119, that the psalmist, he fleshes this out by describing what this looks like in his life. But as we begin, I want to simply ask you, do you have a relationship with God but neglect to follow the Bible? Would you claim to have a belief in Jesus but really couldn't care less about how he says we are to live our lives? You might heartily agree with the psalmist that the Lord is your portion. You realize all you have comes from him and you frequently ask him for help and for provision. But you do not seek to obey his word on a daily basis. Is that you? Do you have this relationship with God but lack in following him and his word? And I would say, in one sense we all do, to some degree, we all fail in obeying God or seeking to do so but certainly for some of us, we may really lack in obeying God's word and that we don't care about it. Thinking about this, Matthew Henry puts it this way. He sums up this key verse by saying, God is to be our portion and our prince. Charles Bridges in his commentary says, the Lord is to be our portion and our king. Taking the Lord as your portion and his word as your rule. What we see in Psalm 119, 57 through 64 is that a belief in God is to be accompanied with godly behavior. We see that our relationship with God should be reflected in how we live our lives. We see that being dependent upon God goes hand in hand with obeying God. It makes me think of a parent. A parent is depended on by their children. A parent provides for their children financially, emotionally, even spiritually, by instilling in them the word of God. The parent is their children's security. They protect them. They care for them. The children rely. They depend on their parents for everything. The children are also to follow their parents, to listen to their rules. Children are to be obey obedient to their mom and dad. And we know something has gone awry when kids do not. When they benefit from their parents' provision and living under their roof but have no respect for their mom and dad, something has gone wrong. And the same goes for our relationship with God. Something has gone wrong if we look to God for help, we rely on him, we look to him for provision, but we don't follow his rules. We don't follow the laws he has set out for our lives. So that's the focus of this psalm as this theme declared. Out of this relationship with God, the psalmist seeks to follow God's word. And we see how he follows God in the rest of the verses, and it's instructive for us as we live in our relationship with God. So we'll consider five points this morning, seeing how the psalmist obeys God's word. Point number one is we consider the psalmist's relationship with God and the obedience that follows from it we see that he re realizes his need for God to be able to obey. So point number one is he realizes, he realizes his need for God to be able to obey. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 58. Psalm 119, verse 58 is where we get this point from, and it says, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. So we're going to see in the next couple of verses, even as you scan through 59 through, I think, about 61, and even actually further, we see that the psalmist is going to declare his commitment to the Word of God. 
He will very clearly speak of his determination in obeying God's word. He says, I will do this and I will do that. Which could come across as, I think, self-reliant, as self-confident, as self-empowered when it comes to obeying the word of God. So he begins with verse 58 before he does so, which shows he very much so is not being self-reliant. He's not having a self-confidence. He's relying upon God as he seeks to obey the word of God. We find a request in verse 58. Just two requests are in this section. Here and in the last verse, verse, 50, verse 64. But here the psalmist says he entreats God's favor. The word entreat speaks of a humble, of a submissive request. He sees he's weak. He sees he's sin his sinful condition and he makes a request for help. That's what this word entreat means. And the word favor is literally God's face. That's what the word favor means. It's speaking about God's face. He entreats the Lord's face. He makes his request before God. He's seeking the Lord's attention and help. And he does this with all of his heart. He says in verse 58, if you look with me there again, it says, I entreat your favor with all my heart. So the psalmist gets it. He's not putting on a show. He's not trying to be fake. But he genuinely believes he is unworthy. He is unable to follow God's word, so he humbly makes his request before God. His request is this. If you look again at verse 58, the second half says, Be gracious to me according to your promise. So as it says in the second line of verse 58, he is asking God to treat him kindly to be tender, to be gentle to him, to pity, to pity him, even though he does not deserve the Lord's help. And he ultimately is pulling this from the word of God as he says, according to your promise, he knows what is written in the word of God and he asks God to do exactly what he said. So the application for us at the start of this, explaining how he obeys the word of God in verse 58, is that when it comes to obeying the word of God, I'll ask us, do you begin, or do we begin, with an acknowledgement of our weakness, our inability to do this on our own, an acknowledgement of our sinfulness and how easily we stray towards doing the wrong thing, to be, do, to be disobedient to God. And we should be challenged from verse 58 here to do as the psalmist does and acknowledge our inability to to obey and also to ask for God's help, to ask God to show favor to us. We should be challenged to pray each and every day this prayer or something like it so that we might obey God's word throughout our day. With At this point in the message, there was a power outage. Pastor Cruz continued preaching and the video recording resumed once power was restored. So in one sense, as he seeks to obey the word of God, he pauses to think over his life, to intentionally reflect on his actions, on his words. But now here on the flip side, so he pauses over here, but on the flip side, we see he follows the word of God immediately. The word hasten speaks of hurrying, doing something quickly. He says he does not delight, meaning he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't linger. When it comes to following the word of God, he does not hesitate, but seeks to immediately follow it. 
So the application for us is we should, this should be our aim too. To follow the word of God without a second thought. That should be our natural reaction. But the reality is this is not often how we live. Often we hurry to say a hurtful word. We hurry to speak a word of gossip about someone else. We hurry to punch our brother and sister when we're upset. We don't hesitate when it comes to making fun of someone. We don't hesitate to take a lustful look. We don't hesitate to lie to our parent. Often we hurry. We don't hesitate when it comes to breaking the word of God and disobeying God and his word. That is what comes natural a lot of the time. At the same time, there are certainly times when it comes easier than others. When it's just it's kind of easy to obey the word of God. But our aim, just like the psalmist, should be that we would hurry to obey God's word. That when we are presented with the choice, we choose to follow the Bible. And don't even have a second thought about choosing another path. And we might wonder, how can the psalmist say this so confidently? Does he do this every time? Is he so quick to obey the word of God? Remember, He's relying on the Lord. As verse 58 showed us, he prayed to the Lord, asking for the Lord's help. And we should be challenged to do the same. The third way of describing how he obeys the word of God under this second point is that he remembers it despite being surrounded by sinners. Psalm 119, verse 61, if you look with me there, it says, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Now, the psalmist brings up a specific situation that he's spoken a lot about in Psalm 119, and that's the wicked oppressing him. I won't take us through the verses, but this has been a pretty constant theme or setting for Psalm 119, that he's dealing with suffering, he's dealing with people who are ridiculing him. And here he presents the picture of speaking of ropes. The ropes of the wicked are surrounding him. They're tying him up, they're trapping him, seeking to cause him harm. And the psalmist says, even when people are seeking to harm me, to tear me down, to destroy my name and my reputation, I will be obedient to the word of God. In this time, it would be easy for the psalmist to excuse himself, sin against them, to get revenge, maybe to join him, maybe to turn to God and question him for this suffering in his life. But that's not his response. He remains firm and faithful to God and his word through dealing with the wicked. He doesn't only obey when it's easy, but when it's hard. Not only when things are going well, but when things are not so well. Not only when life is good, but when life is filled with misery and heartache, the psalmist gives us an example of obeying the word of God despite it. So application, how are you doing in obeying the word of God in the midst of sinners? If it's just being around them, maybe unbelievers that surround you at your workplace, maybe at your school, maybe in your family? Are you remaining faithful to the word of God? Or are you compromising and living in a way that's unfaithful to the word of God? But also if people are belittling you, insulting you, ridiculing you, seeking to destroy your name and your reputation, are you remaining faithful and obedient to the word of God? If you look at this verse again, the psalmist doesn't say it's easy, but he shows it's possible. He shows it is what we are called to do as Christians. So we have seen that for the one who has a relationship with the Lord, 
that they are to obey the Lord. And now we see how the psalmist shows that the word of God and obeying it can actually strengthen our relationship with God. So he started with the relationship, he talks about this obedience, and now he's back to his relationship with the Lord for point number three. Point number three is that obeying the word of God leads, leads him to worshiping God. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 62, it says, At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. So the setting of night and worshiping God is actually not unique to this verse. We find this in Psalm 119 and other places. Uh, but what we do see here is when he talks about praising the Lord at midnight, we kind of can see two things, or we can make two observations. The first one is that the psalmist praises God not only in the public, but in the private. Most likely, if he's praising the Lord at midnight, he's probably either at home in his bed, or he's just at home in general. I don't think he's talking about a midnight service here, but it shows his relationship with the Lord is genuine, that he's praising the Lord by himself. No one's around. There's no one to show off for, but he's praising the Lord by himself, showing he's a genuine relationship with the Lord. But the second observation we can make from this verse is that God and his word are on his mind. If you think about the middle of the night, most likely you're sleeping. Okay, nothing is on your mind. Just simply sleep. If you're awake, it's probably because something's keeping you up. It's probably something stressing you out, something you're anxious about, thinking about the day ahead or the day behind you. What's on the psalmist's mind? He's up at midnight, thinking about God and his word, praising him for it. It's an example to us of having God and his word on our minds. Move on to the fourth point. And the fourth point's kind of kind of like the third point. It almost seems disconnected. All right, so I'll help us get there. Psalmist talks about his relationship with the Lord. He talks about the obedience that comes from his relationship with the Lord. And now he jumps to talking about another relationship he has. And it's the relationship he has with those who also obey God. So point number four is the psalmist discusses his relationship with those who obey the word of God. If you look with me at verse 63. Verse 63 says, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. So he says he's a companion, meaning he keeps company with these people. He spends time around them. He seeks to be together with those who fear God, which talks about those who respect God, those who have a relationship with God. And further, he says, of those who keep your precepts. So also those who obey the word of God, he has a relationship with Psalmist takes this opportunity to not only talk about the, his relationship with God, but also his people. The first thing I want to point out to us as we consider the meaning of this verse is who he's a companion to. I said it briefly, but he keeps company with those who have a relationship with God and keep his word. That is what brings them together. It's not a similar hobby. It's not being of the same race or nationality. It's not being of the same political view. But it is God and his word that brings them together. That's why they have this bond. That's why they're keeping, keeping company with each other. So that also means that nothing else should drive them apart. Nothing else should divide him and those who fear God and keep his commandments. His commonality has brought them together and it should keep them together. 
So the application for us first from this verse is what is, what is it that causes you to have a relationship with other Christians? Think about what drives you to want to gather here this morning with other people to talk with other Christians. Is it your relationship with God and what you think about his word or is it something else? God and his word is what should drive us together. But the second thing I'll point out from this verse is the simple fact that he has companions, that he's not alone, which is actually a pretty important thing for Psalm 119. And again, we won't go there for sake of time, but often in Psalm 119, he talks about himself as a sojourner, of someone who doesn't belong, of someone who is alone. Now he comes in this passage and he says, I have companions. That he is around people that also have a relationship with the Lord. So the application for us is we too can easily go through times of feeling alone. Maybe it's at the death of a loved one. Maybe it's a due to the sin in our lives. Maybe it's a difficulty in our family or work life. We see that this section makes very clear that we have God first, as we saw in verse 57. God is our portion. God gives us everything we need. But then also, we have our Christian brothers and sisters. We should seek to be with them, seek their company, run to them in times where we feel lonely or in despair. We come to the fifth and the closing point of our psalm. We get a request. As I said, there's only two requests. This is the second of them. And point number five is the psalmist reiterates his need for God to help him obey. This comes from verse 64. If you look with me there, Psalm 119, verse 64 says, The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. So the psalmist begins by acknowledging it's not only him who the Lord provides for, but it's the whole entire world. He started with talking about the Lord as his portion, him personally. But he realizes it's not only him who God provides for, but God provides for the whole entire world. As he talks about the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. But then he comes back to the kind of this reliance, this dependence that he mentioned in verse 58. And he says, teach me your statutes. The psalmist wants to be taught the word of God so that he can obey the word of God. He realizes he does not always fully understand. He also realizes he forgets. He ignored. So he needs the word of God put into his mind and taught to him. And the same can go for us as we think about our own obedience. We need to be taught and instructed in the word of God to help us more and more know how to obey God's word. What it looks like to live a life that is pleasing to him. But it also simply reminds us. One thing I often like to think about is often coming here, sitting under a message is, if you've been coming to church for a while, you may not learn anything new. It's often just a time that reminds us. It puts the Word of God on our mind, so it's at the forefront of our mind. Often we ignore, we forget. So when we sit through a message like this, it's not bad if you didn't learn anything new. It's reminded you. It's put these things on your mind so that now you can go out and obey these things. That's the idea here from the closing verse. So as we close, I'll ask you how you are doing and obeying God. Are you similar to the psalmist's example or very far from how he can 
conducts himself? Does your obedience flow from your relationship with the Lord? And if not, then something is wrong and it needs to be fixed. And if so, continue to strive to live a life of obedience to God. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you uh, that your word could go forth this morning, uh, that we could be challenged from it. I know I was challenged Learned a lot from this study of Psalm 119, and Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would walk away into our weeks this week, if it be either at work, if it be at school, with our families, with our friends, and seek to apply these things, that we would really seek to obey your word, to live faithfully for you because of our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that we would just take time to pause this week, to think about how we have been living or how we will live. Help us to hurry to obey your word and not have a second thought about it. And Lord, I pray that even in tough times, in times of suffering or ridicule or being insulted, that we would seek to be faithful to your word no matter what. Lord, we just thank you for Psalm 119, how it puts your word on our minds and even reminds us of how we should value it, that our Bible is your very words. And in your name I pray, amen.